just looking at the sound waves was like, oh, wow. And I worked for a couple of hours that evening. You know, when you know in your spirit, this is what I'm meant to do. Sound is my baby. And it felt so cool just being able to play with sound again. I've been waiting for my moment. I've been howling at the moon. Hey there, this is Stephanie from Hearshare Productions with another episode of Gia Pets Podcasting, where we explore the world through our guests' podcasting experiences. In this episode, we are talking to the wonderful Kevin Mochiro from Nipe Stories Podcast. So Kevin has over 18 years of broadcasting experience under his belt. He is now building a career for himself as a writer and podcaster. In 2017, he joined many of us and launching his storytelling podcast, Nipe Stories, which produces an audio version of fictional short stories from the continent. He is also a queer rights activist. We had this conversation just after lockdown happened in Germany in late March, and it feels like five lifetimes ago. The things we go over, we talk about his podcast, the origin story, his view of when he became a storyteller, his relationship to podcasts, which ones he listens to, how he picks the stories that are performed on Nipe Stories. Because Kevin is such a sound person and a digital storyteller at heart, we do spend quite a bit of time talking about sound and editing and the nuances that you can build into even an interview episode. And we also talk about the podcasting scene in Kenya and in Africa as a whole in that big, big continent of Africa. And we talk about reviews and he has some advice to new podcasters in Kenya and in general. You can find the full show notes, links, etc., and everything you need about this episode at stephfuccio.com forward slash geopets podcasting forward slash 11. That's enough rambling about Kevin. He's wonderful. You're going to love him. Here he is. I've been living with this woman Cause there's nothing else my heart can do Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us on Geopets Podcasting. Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. So can you give our listeners a quick overview of where you are now and where you have lived or traveled in the world? My name's Kevin Mochiro. I live in Kenya. I live in a small town on the Kenyan coast called Kilifi. I originally was born in the capital of Nairobi, spent most of my life there until two years ago when I opted for a writer's life or a simpler life down by the seaside. Yeah, I enjoy living by the sea. I love travel. My dream is to travel to every African country if I can. And that started a few years back when I did all the countries in this region. That's Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Dan Rwanda, Dan Burundi, Ethiopia, the airport in Somalia, technically, but that still counts in my head. Um, I spent a whole day at the airport. Sudan, Congo, Djibouti, to the south would be Malawi, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Swaziland, Botswana, 
um, to the west. Uh, Central Africa would be DR Congo, Cameroon, West Africa is Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, Liberia, and Ghana. North Africa has been to Morocco twice. Lived in England for three and a half years. Traveled to France, Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, Poland, Greece, Italy, Turkey, and then in Asia, been to India twice. Where else? North America, Canada, the US, and Mexico. I think that's it. Wow. Okay. So you were or are a journalist? Are you still a journalist? Yeah, I'm a freelance journalist. Freelance journalist. I, okay. I, I worked, yeah, I'm a freelance journalist. Worked with the BBC for, for a bit. Now, was some of that travel for work or is that all just your self-exploration? Most of the Africa travel was for work and then the rest was my own um, wanderlust, if I can call it that. And I love at the end you say, I guess that's it. You know, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when, you was, when I was going through, I'm like, bruh, stop, stop, you know? <laughs> so you said you want to go to all of the African countries. My trusty information box says there's 54. How many do you have left? Because you listed off quite a few. I think I'm just under half. Cecil Rhodes was a British um, explorer stroke commercialist. And he wanted to build, I think, a railway line. This was, I think, in the 19th century or something from the Cape Town to Cairo. So my plan was to visit every country from Cape to Cairo. So I think I'm only left with Egypt. But I think I have been to every country along that trajectory. Maybe Zambia and Egypt would be the, the only ones. And then I'd love to go from east to west as well. First of all, let's let's make it very clear to those listeners. Nipe Story is your podcast. It's N-I-P-E, right? Yes, Nipe. A lot of North Americans say Nipe, but it's Nipe. Um, Nipe is Kiswahili. Kiswahili is the, the national language of Kenya. And it's also spoken in Tanzania, part of uh, part in, in some, and, and some other East African countries. The literal translation is "Give me a story," but in some sections of of the country, it's "Nipe stories." Like, what's up? Tell me something. So basically, that's what it is. But the literal translation is "Tell me a story." I picked a title that I thought would be very Kenyan and something that people can sort of would relate to especially in this context. I struggled with what to call the podcast. Nipe Story just sounded like a very good name because it just it could mean so many things, but it's just that. Tell me a story. How many years have you been doing Nipe Stories? Nipe Story started, I think it was in December of 2017. So we've just been podcasting for over two years now. You're in the 2017 crowd. There's something about 2017. <laughs> it was a very good year. <laughs> it was. But your storytelling didn't start with the podcast. It started well before that, right? For me, that is when I sort of took on the mantle proper as a, as a, as a podcaster. So if I was to get your question correctly... For me, I, I tell people my, my journalism was my storytelling. I studied radio production at uni. I, I tell people I'm a wordsmith. I, I, I'm a wordsmith and I play with sound. I love playing with sound. So 
even working for the BBC World Service as a radio journalist, I took it upon myself to be as creative as, a, as I could, especially when you're covering the mundane and the politicals. That really helped me grow as a journalist in the sense that I just couldn't give out a dry story to the listener. I just couldn't. I just figured I studied this. I know sound. I know audio. And for me, that is my storytelling. And as a journalist, it was important for me to respect the people who entrusted me with their stories. So I used to say I was a custodian of people's stories. I started using the term storytelling a while ago because that's how I viewed myself. Because it feels like it's something that runs through you. So I was thinking even maybe did you start storytelling? Not in a formal sense, but in a, just as part of your personality. Have you been a storyteller your whole life? <laughs> the Kevin that you're speaking to is a totally different person from from when I was a lot uh, when, I, when I was a lot younger. I think I took ownership of of the title storyteller when I was asked to tell my story as a cancer as a cancer patient and as a cancer survivor because I was an avid runner and I couldn't exercise because of my illness. And someone asked me, you know, find another outlet to express yourself. And that seemed to be writing. And I think that was when it all became formal. But prior to that, to be honest, I can't think of it. But it was cancer that I think sort of gave me a kick in the butt to, to take on the storytelling mantle. And can I ask, how are you now? I'm fine. Thank you. Um, I'm in remission right now. So touch wood, it stays that way. Yeah, I saw your, your TED Talk for the love of stories, but it looks like that came out, oh, last year, 2019. If you listen to the TED Talk, I, I talk about a program that was on a um, national radio station called Maminosi, and I used to love that. I think with the internet and people spending a lot more time consuming media visually, I just thought, you know, this is something I enjoy. I'm, I'm a big lover of African literature, and I thought, you know, it just made sense. Like I said earlier on, I asked myself, what do you have? I'm like, I have a skill. I can produce audio. I can play with audio. And I love radio. You know, I'm a big fan of radio. And I'm like, this is what I have. And when I was in the city um, in Nairobi, I had access to literary circles, yeah, you know, and artists. I'm like, this is a thing that I know best. This is the thing I can do. So at one time, I did start another podcast. I had grand plans. So there was going to be Nipe Story, and then there was going to be Cancer Pod, and every week I was going to produce something. It became too much. It became too much and too much physically and emotionally. So unfortunately, I had to drop uh, Cancer Pod. And then moving out of um, the city, it was harder getting people to talk about their journeys. And I really had to ask myself, I know it's helping people, but is it also helping me? I was getting tired because every week I was busy thinking of, of a podcast and I'd moved to the coast for a much more relaxed life. And for two months, I'm like, this is not what I moved here for. And I was beginning to detest podcasting and I figured something's got to give. And unfortunately, it was cancer pod. And uh, to be honest, Steph, at one time, I was going to have three podcasts. And then I sort of like, nah, brah, you're human, mate. So that's not feasibly possible. 
podcasting can be very consuming. It can take over your thought process a lot from start to finish. When I start in editing an episode, I know for the next week or two, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. And I try all kinds of things to section it off and put it over there while I'm not actually working on it, but it can be consuming. Yeah. You know, you have to think of so many things, uh, the social media aspect of it. I mean, I just recently uploaded the latest episode and I'm thinking the next one. So I have to review a few scripts. What voice should it be done and making sure the approach the person if they are up, if they agree, sending them that and giving them a timeline. So I'm, I try and think two episodes ahead most times, but that doesn't work. I always admire the people that are able to do an entire season and hold on to it and then release it slowly. For me, once I have it packaged and ready, I want it to go into the world. I'm like, okay, you're, I'm done with you. Somebody else needs to hear you. Like it needs to go, you know? <laughs> so I can't even hold on to it and have like two or three, which I would love to have. I'm like, no, if it's, if it's not in the world, it's being worked and it has to, has to flourish outside. Yeah. The, the things, you know, I had. Do you remember the moment when you decided to start Nipis Stories? Was there any, exact thing that where you said i need to do this i think it was when i was training these journalists on podcasting and i think that was it it was a week of training and the key thing for me was it seemed to be a good avenue that no one had explored so how do you pick the stories that are in the podcast initially i, I had quite a lot of African literature. The, the original plan was to have short stories and audiobooks. And then when I got copies of some stories, I'm like, this is a lot of reading. And I don't think I know anyone who would want to devote two or three hours for free reading a story that is not going to bring any money. Um, so I went into the short, so the, 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 the audiobook format just, the idea just died. I'm like, this is not going to happen. Short stories were easy to gather. I also had to factor in, because I was doing something new, the attention span of the listener. That was what I had to consider. That's why there is a, technically, there's a word limit as to how many stories each script should have. But that's pretty fluid. It's usually between, I usually ask for stories between 700 to 4,500 words, but it has exceeded to, I'd say, another 1,000 or another 6,000. And then some stories, I think there are two or three stories that surpass that because they were really good stories. But technically when I, and then I put out a call on, on the podcast occasionally, but I just call on friends who are writers. I'm part of a writing club, so I, I beg people quite a bit uh, for their stories <laughs> and their voices. There's a lot of begging that goes into putting this podcast together, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, you could say, like, beg or giving an opportunity to voice their stories. Uh yeah, if, okay, okay. For for the stories, it's like yes, I was, I was having a conversation. You know, it's like this is a great opportunity. And now that Nipper's story has been around for two years, few writers are actually sending me their stories, and I think the delivery does help. And what I've been able to show them with with the spoken word and incorporating sound, I think, has given them confidence in me that I will. They can they can entrust me with their stories, even if it's just one person. But I do consider, in my head, I read the story and, and the next question is, 
whose voice is this? Whose voice would be perfect? So when I'm talking to people during an, in an ideal world, you know, in a corona-free world, I'm busy like, hmm, you know, this would be a great voice for Nipe's story. That's constantly going through my head. Every now and then I would ask other writers to sort of review a story that I'm not so sure of, but half the time the decision is, is a unilateral one, and it's just a question of gut feeling. Is this is this a great story? Or if I read something and I'm like, wow, this this is fantastic. That's why the, with a few stories, there are one or two stories that are not purely fiction, but were fantastic stories. And in my head, they sounded really good. And if it sounds good in my head, it goes on to Nipe's story. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good gauge for doing it. Some of the authors do read their own stuff, don't they? Yes, yeah, some of them... One of my many plans is to have writers read each other's work. Because some of the writers who have contributed to Nipe's story are also performers. So if I know they're performers, some like, I don't mind reading my story. Or I would have someone else read their story and say, I have a story for you. Do you mind reading this? And, and, and that's just magic. Because they also deliver amazing stuff. You know, I don't know whether you go through the same thing where you listen to a story and you've got goose pimples all over. I'm like, damn, that story is fantastic. You know, I've read the story, I've reviewed it. And then even as an, even as I edit it, I'm just loving it. So yeah, Nipi's story offers that. Yeah. And with each listen, there's a different part of it that can come out. Like during the conversations, a lot of times I'm present and I'm asking questions and I'm, I'm engaged, I think, I hope. But always when I'm editing, there's always something that comes up that I go, oh, that moment. I don't think I quite understood how magical what they just said was in that moment because I was just like, let's keep going. I don't want to waste anybody's time. I want to, you know, there are those moments. My supervisor at university used to say, you know, the pictures we create in our mind are a lot more colorful than what than what we see. And for me that is that is I would say the the premise of, of Nipe's story. You know, earlier on when you said why is it I don't know if you asked me why or that aha moment. I just want to help people listen to beautiful stories and help them create beautiful pictures in their mind. You do that with the written word and, and with the spoken word. And I would like Nipe's story to just help people create beautiful pictures in their mind. That is always at the back of my head whenever I'm working with radio or when I'm writing stuff. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. Can you give our listeners a quick overview of how you record your podcast? Like, what is your basic technology setup? I use a Marantz, which is a small portable recorder for all my recordings, and a microphone and headphones. And initially, when I started the podcast, I'd try and get 
studio time and do all the recordings there. And then I realized I, I didn't have the money. It was not going to be sustainable. So a policy I have and I've adopted in life is use what you have. So I looked at what I had and then I figured I have a pretty good recorder. I have a pretty solid mic and I started using that. And that's what I use for recording in terms of getting good sound. I've recorded in, in closets. Um, I've gone back in just temporarily. <laughs> You know, that's the only time I tell people I'm going back into the closet. And then uh, under the duvet cover or just, yeah, it's mostly that. There's one time I constructed a temporary teepee structure using my my clothes, my air dryer, my laundry air dryer and cover that with blankets. And basically that's how I record Nipe's story. In my previous house, I had a storage room, so... I just soundproofed to the best of my ability a section of that with old curtains and old fabric that I had within me. So that's basically how I, I put Nipe's story together. I'm very surprised to hear that because the sound quality on there is beautiful. The thing is, I learned when I was looking at lots of the videos on how to begin a podcast was pick a formula that works. And I find that this works for me. Considering my limitations, I didn't have a studio, there, there was no income stream, and this can, can also be done remotely. So this is a format that I figured works for me, and it, when it comes to storytelling, keep it simple. Your podcast is scripted, isn't it? Yes, it is. So how do you deal with that if you're under a blanket or in a closet? Do you have like flashlights or your cell phone light or how, how do you see things? Initially, I just made sure there was enough. If it was my little teepee, I would sit with the laptop and that was enough light, basically, because I'd scripted and just use that. Now using my phone, I've evolved, you know, so I just work on my laptop, send it to my phone and, and use that. And at least to some extent, there is some light. I try and get some light from the room into the TP. If I'm reading a script myself, that's the hard bit because I have paper, I have the recorder, I have mic. It's, it's a lot harder and a lot more breaks in between the pages. And in that case, I'd be probably standing with the microphone in the closet and it wouldn't be fully soundproofed, but I just make sure there's enough fabric surrounding the microphone so as to create a dead sound. I mean, we learned this at the BBC when we were out in the field covering. We didn't have access to studio, so we'll just get into bed and just cover ourselves with the covers or duvet and you get really good sound that way. So in addition to basically like removing stuff and adding stuff, what are some like of your favorite sound tricks to use to make a story? I think for me, silence is, is a beautiful thing. And, and this all depends on the story. It's just playing with other sounds, you know, to use other atmospheric sounds to create pictures as well, to complement the storytelling that's, that's taking place. I can't remember which story it was. Uh, one was Lutivini's story that came out two episodes ago. You know, I just listened to it and I'm like, yeah, this needs sound. 
and I got excited just going to look for sound. I was getting excited just putting in the, the, the sound of tear gas in it because it just, it was that. I, I knew I couldn't find some of my old audio from my BBC days. I had to get in touch with someone at the BBC, a former colleague. I'm like, do you have any tear gas sound? Please, or a riot, please send that to me. You know, and I was getting excited just getting that. And I think for me, that's the challenge of it. Not the challenge, that's the opportunity that a good story this 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 needs sounds there's such a beautiful balance in your episodes with that whereas when i started adding music to certain parts i couldn't get it right so i just ended up taking it out and i haven't really revisited it but i i just realized as you were say, talking about sound i've been taking a lot of videos of sound since i moved to germany in january because it's so much quieter here than i'm used to living them and i just i hear everything Every little bug mm. crawling next to me, every tree branch that's moving, everything I cook, I find myself just taking these little videos of sound. And I'm wondering now that you've said that, I'm like, oh, I could strip the audio from that and start playing with that. You're a genius. I remember one of our earlier exercises, both at Union Broadcast Journalism course at the BBC, was we needed to tell our journey to work just using sound or just tell a story, come up with a soundscape, a, a minute of a soundscape, just using sound. And you could, it was amazing just seeing what people did. You know, I remember I just, I just recreated my journey to uni or my journey to work just using sound. I used to use the, what was it? What recorder was it? The, um, the, the mini disc recorder. That's on my mini disc. I don't know whether I still have a mini disc. Showing my age. And I've also mentioned tape anyway. So. <laughs> I, hey, I used to have one of those tiny boom boxes as a kid and with tapes in it. Yeah. And I used to splice the tape to take out a part because I would record like pretend radio shows and then, and then go, oh, I don't like that part. So I'd literally take out scissors and tape. Like, oh my gosh, my brother-in-law showed me how to splice for the first time and i was like you have changed my life <laughs> you are my people Steph. you are my people yeah. <laughs> with, with what you're doing with germany you could recreate a soundscape of berlin every day could be a different or even with this crisis what's the sound i mean with the crisis now there's a lot more silence that's out and with that silence, what does it bring? You could be in a park. And I remember someone in Nairobi, someone was saying they're hearing more birds now. The funny thing is with, with my makeshift recording here, I usually, if I'm recording, I, I record, if I'm doing my links, I'll probably do them at six and seven in the morning because that's the most quietest because after that, you're hearing school buses, you're hearing motorbike taxis, you're hearing kids or people going to work. So now that because of the virus, we are under lockdown. It was just the other day, I'm like, oh my God, it's so quiet now in the evenings. I can even record in the evening because there's nothing. And it's the I'm, I'm not too far from the highway, but it's just quiet. And as someone who plays with sound, and that's the thing I'm noticing, is the silence and, and the richness of that silence. And then on the flip side, in the morning, when I have conversations with one of my close friends, he's like, I can hear birds. I can hear crickets whenever we have our conversation. It's like, you are really in the sticks. I'm like, mm. I don't even think twice about it. I'm like, yes, you know, but the fact that you can hear those sounds, I think is, is rich, you know, so... There's an opportunity to create a soundscape of Berlin. 
now that it's quiet, so to speak, I love editing, and I realize it. One time I said editing and washing dishes are what my ways to relax. Now it's just for, for, for it's just editing. I'm more of a morning person, so after six o'clock, my brain is dead, you know. But this day, I was working on a podcast, on a separate podcast for a client, and at six o'clock, I got the audio that I'd been waiting for, and it lifted my mood. And I just just looking at the sound waves was like. Oh, wow. And I worked for a couple of hours that evening. You know, when you know in your spirit, this is what I'm meant to do. Sound is my baby. And it felt so cool just being able to play with sound again. I'd had a shit day that day. So editing just lifted my spirits. Let's wrap up with communities. If I read correctly online, you're going to be part of PodFest Africa. Is that the right name of the conference? The Africa PodFest Festival. And when is that coming up? It was meant to have been held in March, by early March, but it got postponed. So we're just waiting like I think everybody else. I'm an advisory board member, so we're going to have a conversation tomorrow see what will happen but yeah that i was, I was gutted that uh, we had to postpone it but it is what it is it is i know and i'm sorry about that and i'm sorry i brought it up but 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 is there any talk of it being virtual the first time just to, to have the momentum of of having it there was the temptation to to have that but i think because this was going to be the first festival of its kind on the continent and those good sponsorship it was an opportunity to network and i was looking forward to meeting other podcasters on the continent it was going to be a, a big thing for us you know so the virtual element would not have cut the mustard the way a physical meeting would have. So hence the decision to postpone it. And I think there were going to be masterclasses for people. I was going to talk about diversity and inclusion for, for minorities. And I was going to also have a listening party. And, and as a podcaster, it'd be a good opportunity to actually meet, to meet the, the, that, that Nipper story guy in person. You know, and there were people I was looking forward to meeting in person. And I'm a very tactile person. I, I, I'm an introvert, but I draw energy from people I'm, and, and things like that. And, and it would have been nice. You know, I, I work from the house, you know, uh, and this would have been a great opportunity to just meet other people who know of Nipe's story and, and for me to learn from other podcasters as well, also African podcasters, because it is a small playing field and it would be nice to meet other people and to find out, oh, ask questions like what you're asking, what drives you, what's your passion, what's, what are your secrets? Because I feel in some regard, I, I have plateaued in, in what I know and how I can execute. And I'm, I'm hoping that the festival will, will take me to start thinking, I wouldn't say bigger, but in, in a different direction or just show me how, just broaden my thinking in terms of podcasting and what the next thing could be for, for Nipe's story. Well, let's hope that this whole mess is over soon and that that can happen because that sounds like an amazing experience. I don't know whoever is listening to this just should do a we should just come up with a, a with a with a COVID-19 series of podcasts and what that this period meant. I think there's so much out there that 
that lends itself to storytelling. I know. I agree with you. I just don't want to be the person to do it. I I have such a heavy heart about all of this that once as soon as I start talking about it, I I, I sound and I am very dark and heavy, and it I don't think that's the tone it should be in. To be honest, Steph, I just think there are very many ways to tell the story. It's just like when you read the reports, you know, you get stories of resilience, you know, from, from different avenues. You get stories of heartbreak, you know, like some of the stuff coming out of Italy is painful. It's painful. I don't, I stopped reading that, you know, but you would hear a story. I'm like, oh man, you know, this is beautiful. Despite all this, there's still beauty. So I think they're just different ways, it's like a bouquet. Everyone picks a flower that they like. That's a beautiful way of putting it, and it, it's not exactly what you're saying. But one of my one of my tribes is uh, expats, the folks that live outside of their home country, and they're producing something about the place they're living in or about their expat experience. And I have noticed a bunch of folks are doing their own special COVID episodes. And so I made a list on Podchaser because I was like, this is such a unique viewpoint of the country that we're hearing about. And as a very bad language learner, it's also all in English. So it's easy for me to learn about the other countries through these people's viewpoints. You mind sharing that with me, please? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are you on Podchaser yet? I, I don't know what I'm on. You know, I'm a bit of a technophobe. I just made registered with stuff and <laughs> I just go out. You see, that's, that's the challenge for me. You know, my, my key thing is just get it out there. And then all the other bits and pieces, sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth to keep at it because it is exhausting and trying to, uh, plus I also have to try and get an income. You know, maybe this will be an opportunity for me to like, okay, look at the other platforms that Nipe Story is and start making this shit work for you. Not only are you on Podchaser, but you have a review already. Oh, do I? You do. I hope it's a good one. <laughs> Mr. Tao, it's a five star. These are great modern stories for anyone around the world. For outsiders, there are glimpses into the culture and the joy of Kenyan life, which is as varied as the landscapes throughout the country. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> I will check that out. I think I'm I'm scared of reviews, to be honest, because as a writer, you know, you'll never please everybody, and sometimes you're like somewhere I say, "Oh, you're a shit writer," you know, or as you're, "This is a shit story," and you're like, "That might just break you," you know. So I remember when I wrote the first book, someone's like, "I mean, some writers say just never read the reviews, whether it's a play or a movie." So I just let the podcast do its thing. I agree with you. And I think for writing, that's more of a thing than for podcasting. I think because podcasting is a much newer medium, I think people aren't as used to writing reviews for it. So I think it's usually the people that are excited about the podcast at this point that generally are the ones writing the reviews. So right now, it feels like a safe place. I hope it stays a safe space. I'm a bit of a softie, so I need to be careful. So if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I, I live in Kenya too, I want to start a podcast, what's one piece of advice that you would give them that you wish you had when you started? Don't do this for the money. <laughs> do, this, do this because it will make you happy. Because I've, I've, some people have asked me, how do you make money? I'm like, you will not make money from this for at least two, three years. Do this because it excites you. And I think maybe other other podcasters will sort of recognize that they're doing this because they're passionate about this. Those who are and, and those who are passionate about it have the legs to go on, 
even when they don't want to. My brother says I, I think very squarely. I produce my podcast in a very square BBC kind of mainstream way. And I'm like, bro, that works for me. Even even the podcasts I listen to are very structured by and large because I come from radio and maybe I'm sounding like a radio snob because the ear is is a beautiful thing and I want to respect that it's an experience my supervisor used to say every time you listen to something on radio it should leave you different and I want to do that with my podcasting I mean there's some podcasts people have thrown my way I'm like I don't know what that was all about and why I get really distracted with, with double enders, you know, unless it's produced really well. That's why I like interviews. I really like listening to podcasts with interviews. I, I love that there's one called Desert Island Discs um, produced by the BBC. It's beautiful. But when it comes to conversations with people and stuff, after some time, I'm like, I'm really struggling. There are all these voices. Why is that person talking over this person? And why is that person laughing? And can't you put the kettle off because I can hear it? I get distracted. <laughs> I hear you. I heard one uh, podcast last night. Where it's a podcast we're subscribed to, but they were having a different podcast on there as a kind of a guest episode. And the music was so loud that I could barely hear the storytelling. And I was like, nope, can't do it. Like, I love sounds to accompany stories, but they can't overtake the story. Yeah, I think we need to remember, for me, podcasting is still storytelling and stories are beautiful. And I think we have to also respect the art of storytelling. For listeners who are outside of Africa, are there any African podcasts or specifically Kenyan podcasts that are in English? That's a lot of qualifiers but <laughs> that are in English that you would recommend. Yeah, there's if you're a big fan of music. And it's, and it's, and it's black music, African music is the Afro pop worldwide where I, it's, it's, it's arguably my f favorite podcast because I'm going to say I learned so much about politics, about music, about different black cultures across the world. You know, it's brilliant. I was, the other day I was listening to one of the episodes on Johnny Clegg, the South African musician who passed away last year, you know, and I knew I wanted to find out more about Johnny Clegg. I'm like, Afropop Worldwide. Manu Dibango is another black um, African singer who just unfortunately passed on. Is it either last week or the week before? And I know they will honor his legacy by having a podcast talking about him. You know, so for me, it's, it's that. So Afropop Worldwide is a fantastic, fantastic podcast. It's, it's, not, it's not a Kenyan podcast, but it's a fantastic podcast. And then locally, there is, I mean, locally being Kenyan, is there's also the Spread podcast, which talks about sex. It's a sex positive podcast. The producer is Kaz Lucas. She's she's also very good. For, for Kenyan, that's that's it, to be honest. <laughs> that's great cover art. Wow. <laughs> and she's a fantastic person as well. Really, I, I think you should talk to her as well. There's one that's just started, Padded Room. It's a new podcast. It looks at mental health issues. 
and because that's a big topic here in Kenya where The Pandered Room is a new podcast. There's a lot of potential there talking about mental health issues, especially from an African context. They don't have that many episodes, but it's one to keep an eye on. Because of the topic, uh, the presenter's got a fantastic voice. I mean, a great personality. Actually, that's it for me on on the Kenyan scene. There, There are a number of podcasts. Like I said, I'm picky. You know, there's the, um, what is it? If you like sport, um, sport, there's, um, the bench warmers, bench warmers Kenya. And I think warmers, bench warmers, warmers is, I think W A R M E Z or something. That's it for me, to be honest, um, on the Kenyan that's, scene. That's a lot. That's a lot. There's there's quite a bit out there. There's quite a bit. It's just that I am not within. I'm not within the demographic. I'm probably too old, and it's about music and stuff. And I'm like, nah. Yeah, I like documentary, radio documentary. I like stuff like that. I like documentaries, stuff on society and culture, interview podcasts, book podcasts. Yeah. And, and which is weird for me. I mean, if it's if I'm not listening to podcasts, I'm listening to the BBC or looking at NPR to see what they have. I'm still very much a radio person. We won't hold it against you. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think because we're snobs, we're like we are the original sound people. You know, we know how to use tape. You people just so digital, and you 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 don't adhere to the principles of good sound production. I was just thinking about it the other day, maybe in the Kenyan context, because everyone now is talking about podcasting. Let's do this. Um, what Do you think we should start a podcast? Well, I want to start a podcast. It's just like blogging a few years back. Everyone wanted to blog, and then that disappeared. Part of me thinks that is going to happen with podcasting because everyone's talking about it, and then they'll do three, and then they'll disappear because it's it's the thing to do now. And I tell people, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. A lot. A lot more than anybody can describe in a half-hour video on how to start a podcast. I have a blog, but I'm I'm not very cons- consistent with my blog. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. But I'm still writing, you know? <laughs> I heard somebody say, you know, nobody says there's too many movies in the world. Nobody says there's too many books in the world. Like, we're just not used to there being that this many choices with podcasting. But honestly... We would never complain about having too much of any medium. Like it'd be like, oh, good. I have a lot to pick from. Exactly. So I I welcome new podcasters, even if they sound clunky for six months. I'm like, bring your ideas in. We need fresh ideas. If you never get fresh ideas, you get stale and boring and that's not good. Yeah. I think for me, maybe with 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 Nipper's story is the next, the questions I'm asking myself is how do I tell these stories differently? which is maybe why now I'm introducing a lot more sound, but that also depends on the story. Maybe I can just say, you know, I'm sticking through through this format. There are radio formats and podcasting formats that have done the exact same thing for a very long time. So why, you know, why change it? It's just keep it fresh, keep it relevant, you know, keep it relatable. And people are writing contemporary stories. That's where the secret is. 
I could not agree with you more. So let's remind the listeners where they can find you online. I know you're on Twitter because I've bugged you there a million times. Where else can people find you? I'm on SoundCloud. Um, not me, rather. Nipe's story is on SoundCloud. Uh, it's on it's on Stitcher. It's on Apple and whatever podcast platform that is out there. Um, we're we're on it. Thank you. This was wonderful. You gave me and I'm sure the listeners a lot to think about and a lot to listen to. Thank you so much, Steph. Really. As the saying Kiswahili, Asante Sana, which is uh, thank you very much. Asante Sana. How do you say, what, what do you usually say in return to that? Karibu. You're welcome. Karibu. Karibu. Karibu, Kevin. I feel very lucky because many of my guests end up being people who take a place in my life <laughs> after the episodes are over, after the recording's over. And Kevin and I have been chatting um, since we talked in late March. And one of the things that he shared with me was this book called Show Your Work from Austin Cleon. I'm probably saying that name wrong. It's K-L-E-O-N. He also wrote Steal Like an Artist you are a creative person and you're listening to this, so I'm guessing you are, get the book. And if you can, get the print book. The print book has so many very cool characteristics to it that you want to see in that version. It is a creative release of, ah, thank you so much to Kevin for joining us for this episode and for being so patient while we got it ready to release into the world to have you listen to it. And thank you to Damon Castillo, who's allowed us to play the song Sometime Guy from the Mess of Me album. You can find the rest of his music at DamonCastillo.com. The links and further information about Kevin and his episode and more are available at StephFuccio.com forward slash Podcasting forward slash 11. And now for the full song Sometime Guy by Damon Castillo. I've been wasting all of my time Standing at the back of your line Trying not to lose my mind yeah. When all I'll ever be is your sometime guy I've been waiting for my moment I've been howling at the moon I've been living with this torment Cause there's nothing else my heart can do Well, I've been wasting all of my time Standing at the back of your line Trying not to I 